Hi, I'm George. I'm Dan. I'm Rick. And And we are Queer Magnolias, the podcast. Each episode, we're going to talk about what it was like growing up gay in the South. The trials and the tribulations. The joy and the struggle. And more importantly, how we became who we are today. Oh, honey, queer and fabulous. So come on in, y'all, and get comfortable, Shug. Kick off your shoes and sit a spell. And at the end of each episode, we're going to meet up out on the front porch for my favorite part of the podcast... Happy Hour! So join us for an all-you-can-eat buffet of cutting up, foolishness, and caranol, always served with a heaping helping of sass. And that's a Queer Magnolia's Guarantee! Welcome, all of you gorgeous people. This is Queer Magnolia's, and today we are talking about bullying. Before I turn it over to the boys, though, I just want to let you know where you can find us. Look for us everywhere you find your podcast, and if it's your first time joining us, please subscribe so you never miss the cocktail of the week. All right, guys, take it away. Thank you. Thanks, Kitten. So to start today's show off, I'd like to share with you something I saw online about bullying. It says, to seek to harm, intimidate, or coerce someone perceived as vulnerable. I loved this definition because it's exactly what I felt. Mm. Uh, Yeah, exactly. You know, there are typically like three types of bullying that I'm aware of. I'm sure there are a lot more that people have experienced, but the but the three that seem to be the most prevalent are verbal abuse uh, and physical bullying and cyberbullying. So those are the three, I think, that uh, most people are probably familiar with. And one of the big things for me in researching for today's episode, I was a little surprised by this, but then when I think back about, not really, uh, between one in four or one in three even students say that they've experienced bullying at some point in time in school. I don't, I don't think that that's, I think that's probably even under. Yeah, see, and I feel like at my school, I was the only one, so I don't believe that bullshit. <laughs> they all had it out for me, so they were looking at the pretty ones. Screw the statistics. <laughs> Someone could have shared my pain. <laughs> well, you know that is something. Sharing the pain is something that I find very unusual. I think that people who are bullied feel very isolated and alone. Yep. And I think sometimes if you share bullying with a peer that wasn't bullied, they can't understand and they can't be empathetic or even sympathetic because it didn't happen to them. So they're looking at it as, well, well, I like that person that was bullying you. What do you mean? And so I think it's a very private thing. The vulnerability is the thing that I think is the key in bullying. Someone perceives that you are weak and yeah. they look for that weakness, and they're going and they to pray attack on it. it. They pray, they on, pray it. on it. Yes, absolutely. Uh, personally, coming up in school, I was never really bullied per se in uh, terms of physical abuse or anything like that. I was teased incessantly after I tried out for cheerleading. Well, that'll do it. <laughs> Every time. But I was the first male in the history of my school to ever try out for cheerleading. And I think that's still the case today. And I, um, I, I went through with it. I showed up to every tryout, uh, practice rehearsal, all of, uh, all of that. And, uh, it was constant every single day being teased and called, uh, queer and funny. Funny at that point was, uh, had a funny negative. Funny was not funny. Yeah, exactly. It had a negative <laughs> connotation to it. Oh, um, he's funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Funny. And he's queer. funny like that. 
hence why queer magnolias. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it, it's important to take the power back. Exactly. I think that, um, you know, if you call me a queer and I perceive you as being straight, we probably going to have a problem because I don't think you get a chance to use that word or you don't have the right to use that word. It's our word. That's our word. And so that's why we are queer magnolias and we're happy to be queer magnolias. So for me, bullying started when I was in third grade. And you think about oh, third wow. grade. Third grade is eight and nine. And at Jeepers. age eight and nine is the first time I heard the word fag or faggot. Wow. That's when I changed schools and I went from going to school, elementary school in Wilson to going to elementary school in Lukama out in the country. Um, and that was the beginning of just public school being absolute hell for me. Third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade. High school got better because it was bigger and there were more types of people, but public school was literally the worst. I'm actually, I feel like I'm going to have a hard time talking about this subject because this is hard for me. Like, it's not funny. I can't make fun of this so much and be light about it. Um, we'll get you through it. I was there for high school. So high school was my problem. I'd gone to private school from the third to the eighth grade and chose to go back to public school for high school because I knew that the private school I was going to would not offer me the education I needed for high school. So I chose to go back to a public school. Everything about it, especially the education portion, was wonderful. That's where I experienced bullying. And you're talking about... 13, 14, 14, I guess, uh, starting. And hormones are raging. You don't understand where they're going, or at least I didn't. I was probably the most naive child on earth. And then I had three wonderful, just joking, mm -hmm. people that I went to high school with that were the same age I was. Ruffin and Kim and Don, they delighted every day in whispering. And mine, I never got called queer or fag. Maybe fag, but it was... Their term for me was woo-woo. Uh -huh. So they would woo-woo. Oh, there's woo-woo. And it just became this thing that I absolutely hated. And if I saw them coming down the hall, I would either go the opposite direction, make a turn or whatever, because I knew it was coming. It never ceased to escape their lips, including the day I walked across the stage to get my diploma. The three of wow. them as a chorus wow. did that. Well, that's interesting. For me, coming up, I was I went to a K eight and a nine twelve school. Uh, when I entered the ninth grade, that was high school for us. And my I I feel like I'm fortunate now when I look back on it that I came behind my brother and my cousins and my family members that had a certain reputation for not putting up with a lot of shit from people, <laughs> and. I was sort of covered under that umbrella, so I didn't get a lot of grief from a lot of people. But what I do know is had I gotten grief uh, in those days, they would not have had my back because of their own prejudices, but also their own mentalities where that's your fight. You stand up for yourself. And so it, I sort of was lucky in that I came in under that protection, but I knew that if I if something ever got bad, I was on my own. You were on your own. Yeah. So starting in the third grade, George. Yeah. But I was going to ask you, I know you grew up, grew up with your grandparents. Yeah. Did you have that support system around you when uh, when all this was happening? And were you able to confide and talk to them? Or? No, no. I mean, it was not something that, I've, I mean, I'm sure that looking back on me growing up, the adults in my life all knew that, oh, well, 
this child is different, quote unquote. Special. Special. In a good way. In a fabulous way. There you go. But in third grade, that's not something you talk about. It's not even something that I even knew how to address. So it didn't get talked about. Or articulate, I guess. Precisely. And it it wasn't in anyone's lexicon at that time. I mean, those are things that we talk about today. Thank God. We talk about these. Parents talk about these. Educators talk about these. Not all of them. No. Let's be really clear. We've got a long ways to go. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's... Lucom Elementary is still not <laughs> I don't think West Craven High School is either. But there are better options today. And we do talk about it, or some people talk about it, which makes a difference. Yeah. Um, but I agree. I'm 10 years older than George, and we grew up much closer than um, well, to each other. You're 10 years older than everybody. I'm 10 say. years older than everybody, That's baby. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mind it. But I, I know that what I experienced, I'm sure you experienced, because I know the area we grew up in. Sad, though, that when I was in the third grade, that wasn't the case. Uh, those words weren't talked about 10 years before you came along to be in the third grade. Right. Those words had been handed down or used at home. Right. I don't think I knew what fag was until I was in fifth grade. I don't think I knew what it meant. And then by sixth grade, we had appropriated that fag means cigarette in London. And so I was like, oh, you're saying I'm a smoker? <laughs> <laughs> but you were in the fifth grade, weren't you? No, that was oh. sixth grade. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's North Carolina. It's the back of half yeah. of the world. <laughs> Somebody so, will roll you one or hand you one. So let me ask you this then, George, and you can stop me at any time if you're not comfortable. Uh-huh. Uh, I know you will. <laughs> so it, that's not in <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, you uh, not having the support system around you, and not knowing how to articulate that. At what point in uh, in growing up did you sort of come to come to terms with that and start to push back against it? What was your process there? Because I I know you and. You've got a certain inner strength a lot of people don't have. And I know at some point that changed. You know, if you were feeling oppressed in some way, uh, I know you changed that around and turned it around. So I'm kind of, kind of curious as to when that was. So I don't think that really happened for me until I got to high school. Um, ninth grade, obviously, that's when high school started for me. Um, and I think that's when I finally, I had got to a point where I was going, I had decided that I was going to be a little, I was going to be much more unapologetic about being myself, about who I was, and um, to give less fucks about what people said. I mean, I never really cared. I never stopped being who I was, and I was always, like, super girly, and, like, I didn't dress like the other kids. I didn't talk like the other kids. Um, I wasn't interested in sports. You know, I was always good at art and, like, English and writing. Um, That was me, too. I never did. I tried baseball uh, for a while and just was not good at it. Yeah, I had no interest in any of that bullshit. Um, and, you know, and I always would, like, I would always sit at, sit with the girls at lunch and, like, it, it. Um, I remember once when I was probably in the fourth grade, I got pulled aside by my teacher who told me that I should sit with the boys at lunch so that the girls could have girl time. Wow. Hmm. Wow. And What's that know, teacher's name? Let's find out. <laughs> yeah, she wouldn't like to see this bully. Mm-hmm. I don't care about her. And that's the thing. It was like there was no support no, during those early no. years from teachers or from administration. I mean, gym teachers were the fucking worst. I mean, just yeah. the worst. Yeah. I got real good at forging gym excuse notes. <laughs> I love it. Um, And 
when I got to high school, when I got to high school, there were teachers that were much more helpful. They were much more allied. And I assume appreciated. We went, we all went to schools that were smaller than, say, if you went to school in Los Angeles or Chicago or New York or whatever. So you had a teacher like, Perhaps an art teacher, and I'm I'm simply saying this. I have no idea about your art teacher. Oh, but she was amazing. Yeah, you find your people. You, you find, find your people, you and and teachers also find the students that aren't a pain in the ass, that aren't a trouble, that aren't late every day, who are actually helpful and beat the erasers or whatever it is. You know, there some teachers see. What she's saying is she used to beat the erasers. <laughs> I beg to child. beat the That's eraser. Right. Please let child. me do that. I want to sniff the chalk. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a precursor to so many things. <laughs> I wish she was a face foundation power. <laughs> Yo, kabuki. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I, so it's funny because I had teachers uh, in high school that I enjoyed very much, and teachers in high school that I also found to be a bully. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I my chemistry teacher uh, in high school was bitter. Um, she really was, and there was this enormous sign above the chalkboard that says the correlation between. The cud-chewing cow and the gum-chewing student is exactly the same. And she could not stand chewing gum. She she couldn't stand a lot of things. But this whole thing about chewing gum in class, it drove her insane. She needed to retire. She did. <laughs> so when I was in college, I worked at a grocery store, and she came in. And by this time, there was no Mrs. Gray. It was Margaret. How are you doing? Because I was having none of her. And she was in my line one day, and she was wearing out a piece of chewing gum. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, Did Lord. you say it? Did you say it? To uh, her yes. face. She got up there. And of course, when I was out of her class, she liked me and respected me because I called her Margaret. Mm. She knew that level of bullying was over. And I said to her, oh, my stars, Margaret, I have finally understood that thing above the chalkboard. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, honey, you're wearing out that piece of chewing gum. You look like a cow. <laughs> she could not get enough of me after that. Oh, she loved it. Oh, she loved it because I called her out on her bullshit. And I'm like, it was a good lesson, sadly learned many years after high school or several years after high school, that sometimes if you call a bully out, yeah. oh, it, it just, changes. It, it does. Changes it changes. The dynamic. So at my 30th high school reunion, I came in late. Because I was upstairs having a drink with my girlfriend. I came in late, and the only seat that was available was next to my tormentor. Which one? Uh, Ruffin, Ruffin, who is a minister now. Of course he fucking is. So <laughs> I sat down next to him, and I'd hired a couple of, you know, makers, Mark. And Did you put your hand on his knee? Uh, many times, honey. And every time his, his spine straightened right up, and I'd pat him right on the knee, and I'd say, well, Ruffin, it's so good to see you. What do you think about this, Ruffin? Is that your little wife next to you, Ruffin? I was like, oh. Why is she the cutest thing? Bless her heart. <laughs> She's still married to you how long? Two months? Two years? <laughs> I'm like, well, at this age, I understand what the bullying is, and you will not bully right. me. Right. Son. So, you talking about fa- high school reunions. Yes. Girl, let me tell you, I have no interest in going to any of them, because the most the thing for me is, like, you didn't want to be my friends then. I didn't want to be your friends. I don't want to go pretend now. Right. But I do have to say, 
with the advent of social media, I've actually had people that I went to high school and through middle school, people, those same kids, of course, now adults who have reached out to me and have said, I'm really sorry for the way we treated you. Wow. Wow. And I... So there's some growth there. There is there's human growth. growth and humanity. Oh, bless them. And and that was something I never would have expected. No, um, neither would I. Not from where we come from. No, no I wouldn't no. either. That's great. So that's that, fantastic. And there's also been the kids that have since come out as also gay. And I'm like, bitches, where the fuck were you when we were? I was doing this alone. I was trailblazing this for right? <laughs> I wanted company and you said no. Y'all said no. It's funny. I know a few people that I went to high school with too that uh, have since come out. And when I think back over it, I'm like, mm, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, but, completely. <laughs> but it's it's like, yeah, where were you then? When And maybe they were going through their own private hell that we don't know about. But it's... The saddest thing is when you're a child... You don't always learn to take your power. Well, you have no idea how. Exactly. You don't know the path forward. That's right. And all too, sorry, all too often, teenagers take their lives Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. of bullying. Boy, girl, straight, gay, it does not matter. Because you don't know any other way out. You don't know another path forward. You simply want to escape what's going on in your life. And that looks like an only option. And that... It's so sad. Well, it's actually going to bring me to something I was going to talk about a little later, but I think it's a great segue into it. Uh, A few years ago, I think back in 2010, Dan Savage and someone else, I'm sorry, I don't remember who, uh, had created the It Gets Better campaign. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I was actually fortunate enough to be able to participate in that in the company that I worked for, and I was able to make a video. Uh, And we did that video in 2011. And doing that video and researching and preparing for it, I really had to sort of think back over, um, you know, my childhood growing up and the type of uh, bullying and experiences that I've had. One of the biggest uh, sort of outlets and safe spaces for me, uh, I was, uh, I was, uh, you know, uh, an art student in high school. I loved art. I loved, uh, you know, being involved in anything that was artistic versus anything that was sports oriented. Uh, And, you know, everybody from where we came from, you either played football, basketball, or baseball. And that was not my bag. I tried baseball when I was in fourth grade mm-hmm. and it was very clear very immediately that it's <laughs> not my thing let's also not forget horrible horrible dodgeball kickball oh, yeah. any kind of ball anything with the ball and, and not hor- the face baby not the that face that horrible red rubber ball from gym class. <laughs> see i love the sandbox though because i like to build houses oh, and buildings and mansions and stuff and i was like oh this is my room this is my wing this That's is where i like and i really kind of realized i didn't experience a lot of bullying until i came out and when I came out, it wasn't necessarily from friends or family, but it was just strangers in general you'd run into the street. I mean, I was threatened with violence. I had uh, rocks thrown at me. I've had bottles thrown at me. Uh, I've had people threaten to shoot me. And, you know, it, like even when you're in the mall. Wow. Um, it, it's kind of crazy and scary when I think back at it. But, but when I think back on it, but what's what makes me feel most fortunate in my life is that I feel like I found my tribe very early on and I was surrounded by a lot of sort of grounded, strong-willed, fierce gay people who who had said, this is not okay. You won't fucking do this. And that was my tribe and that was the group that I was in and they taught me very early on, it's not okay. You're going to fight back. And we, we became sort of this strong voice. And that's why when It Gets Better came along and, you know, the, the moment that our company 
had decided we were going to do it, I was like, I'm all in. What can I do? What do you need? I'll produce it. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, what do you need? I'll get involved as much as I can. Um, it's sad that it can get to the point where you think about taking your own life and suicide is the only way out. And that's why I believe so much in the It Gets Better campaign. Totally agree. And it was actually his uh, partner, Terry Miller, that started with him. Thanks, Thank Jacob. you. So I would like to just... You know, Sorry, just... I got a little... <laughs> no, it's fine. All right. All right. Go ahead. Take a breath, George. So, you know, I think that brings up a really good point because I think something that's so important to say to young people who are going through bullying, who are... who don't know how to take their own power and who were in the place that I was through the half, second half of elementary and middle school and even into high school, like it does get better. You it do does. get to that point where you can be your most authentic self and you will be loved for it. Absolutely. You will be loved, exactly. you will be appreciated, you will be honored, you will be recognized. And it's just, you just gotta, baby, you just gotta buckle down and just get the fuck through it. Yes. It's, it, it doesn't feel like it now. And, it, but you will find your people, you will find your tribe and you will find your power. It, you just have to believe that it will happen. And it's important to choose a path that's authentic for you where you are now. For many years, I grew up uh, quite religious and the religious portion was driven by me. And what I realized, and we talked about this a little bit uh, in our religion episode, is that in church, because I could sing and I could act, and I was a good boy. And I say those things very sincerely. Yes. I will make fun of them every day of the week. But I was good at those things. And I was a good son. And I was a good student. And I was good at church. And I was able to hide in church in some ways, participate in church, and be artistic, which was important to me. I did get to sing. I got to sing a lot. I got to sing solos and duets and sing in the choir. I acted in nearly every production of a Christmas play that we put on. Those were my creative outlets. I don't suggest that for everyone, but it's an option. People, there are lots of people who don't like church and religion, and I totally understand it, and I understand why. But for me, it was a way to be creative and to hide. It did not take away the bullying I experienced in high school, but I have now taken my power back. And so when I see these people, they don't bother me. And yes, it turns out at 57, people still talk about me occasionally. But there are things that come along even at this age that are considered bullying. I can now walk with my head high and get through it. So yes, it does get better. It may not be overnight. Find someone similar to you. Find your tribe, even at a younger age. Find friends who love you for just being you and be as creative as possible. And I think the great thing about being young now is you have the internet, which yes. none of us yes, have. Yes, exactly. You have, have resources. You have so many more resources. You have a way to connect with people that may not be in your town, that may not be yes. where you live, but you can get that support. And yes. it is out there. It is. It's a very good point that you bring up, George, that I actually wanted to talk about as well, is that if you don't feel safe or if you are being bullied in some way, there are many, many resources online that you actually have access to. Uh, you know, one of the favorite websites for me that I've talked about quite a few times, I think, in this podcast is hrc.org, which is the Human Rights Campaign. Uh, they have a resource for just about every single thing that you could experience as a gay 
uh, or lesbian or questioning or bisexual person. Uh, and there's also another website called stopbullying.gov that offers a lot of resources and information as well. So those are two that I would recommend checking out. Um, but as George said, with the internet, you've got many, many resources at your disposal. And I think another one that we would be remiss if we didn't bring up, if anyone's out there who is thinking about suicide, the Trevor Project. The Trevor Absolutely. Project, yes. Suicide prevent hotlines. Goal people are out there for you. You are not alone. Absolutely. And one website that is slightly different from these. Um, years ago, George turned me on to a blog called Raising My Rainbow. Oh, yes. And it is so magnificent. And now the woman that did the blog has a website. It's called RaisingMyRainbow.com. Love that. You turned me on to that years ago. And uh, just every week, it's a, uh, a great little story. It is her. indeed. And she is raising her youngest son uh, originally she was referring to him as gender non-conforming and I think now more gender creative. Yes. I love that term. We love CJ. <laughs> yes. And this blog and website is so special. This mother and father. And brother. And brother. His older brother. That's right. <laughs> they talk about their experience with their gender creative child, the trials and tribulations of school. Yes. And going to the mall and the support that they give him and they let him dictate his life and his future. It is so beautiful and so magnificent. I cannot recommend it enough. It's RaisingMyRainbow.com. So anyway, um, I know this topic today was a little heavier than we normally do. We've always, I think, one of our goals for doing this podcast is to keep it light and to keep it fun and, yes. and to keep it going. But I do feel like, I think we all agreed this was a great topic to sort of talk about and uh, sort of bring up because we did, growing up in the South, you do experience bullying. You, gr you experience it everywhere, but it, it's... It, it, it it was part of who we exactly. you could not growing. talk about growing up gay in the south without talking about bullying it's exactly. not right. otherwise you are you're, you're not whitewashing the, yeah and you're not yeah, exactly. truthing you were not truthing honey <laughs> and I think that's not a bed of roses and as far as I'm concerned that's what I hope that this podcast will become in future seasons as we do future episodes where we kind of balance the light funness of it with some sort of heavier topics yes. about what it was like to grow up gay in the south because it was not easy and no, we make it, it sound like it's fun and we become these great fabulous people but it wasn't easy. It was no, rough. No, it was definitely days. not all sweet tea on the front porch. <laughs> <laughs> Cocktails. Speaking of the front Speaking porch. Of. Well, what had happened was. Y'all know what time it is. Thank you, Jesus. It is. It is. <laughs> Y'all come on out to the porch and join us. We're going to have a fabulous little cocktail for you. Because I need a drink. <laughs> Me too, honey. After this heavy subject, it's Ooh. time for something a little lighter. My nerves is jangled. <laughs> <laughs> See you in a few minutes. All right. All right, y'all, it's time for my favorite part of the podcast. Welcome to the front board. Hi, welcome back, y'all. So what are we drinking today? Wait, this is Jacob's drink, it? Is is it is a joint effort, a collaboration, if you will. Yeah. Oh. Since Jacob was the most collaboration, he can introduce our <laughs> cocktail today. Our cocktail today is the Sweet, Sweet Revenge. Yeah, well, I like it. Yes. Sweet. There, Sweet. Is, there is nothing, since we've been talking about bullying, there is nothing sweeter than the revenge of sitting and talking with true friends about our experience in life 
when they can relate. So that is a sweet, sweet Amen, And living your best life. Fuck those mm-hmm. bitches. Uh-huh. Fuck every last one of them. Oh, honey, she's already in the juice. Well, and they're still in the trailer park. So <laughs> see how that works out? That's right. If this trailer's a rockin', don't come a knockin'. <laughs> so what are we talking about today, Jacob? All right. Out of the hat, I've pulled Most Memorable Birthday. Ooh. That sounds fun. So many to choose from. Yeah, you got plenty. <laughs> I got mo. Well, you the hostess with osteoporosis. <laughs> Danny has ten more than everyone else on this planet. On Earth. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Maybe no, not. Yeah, <laughs> Cold hmm. crowd today. All right. Well, I, I know exactly what my favorite birthday was. My trip to Italy. Without a doubt. I mean, um... I mean, I spent what, 10 days, almost two weeks in Italy, and that was the most wonderful time I've ever had in my entire life. I traveled that country from top to bottom. Did you eat a lot of Italian? From top to bottom. <laughs> Allegedly. Lots of creamy Italian. <laughs> Alfredo. <laughs> Maria. <laughs> but birthday day was spent in Venice. And I um, met up with uh, someone who was a friend of a friend and uh, connected me with this lady who lives in Venice and uh, took me through all the non-touristy back alley, back street ways of Venice. And I saw every Mm -hmm. bit of it Mm -hmm. from every angle. (laughs) And her husband's a gondolier. (laughs) And so he took us on a uh, gondola ride. And it was just one of the best days I've ever had in my life. That, for me, was absolutely my favorite birthday. That's lovely. And what birthday was this? This was only two years ago. I'm not giving that number out. (laughs) That is not happening, sweetie. No, I know better than this. Reveal that number in this crowd. Somewhere between 50 and death. I mean, (laughs) no. (laughs) Someone's a lot closer to death right now. (laughs) Put that knife back. (laughs) What about you, girl? So, okay, so I remember. I guess the birthday I remember the most from childhood, which seems to stick out the most, was when I, we were in Lukama, so I don't know what grade I was, I'm going to say it was probably fifth grade. Okay. And as I look back on this, especially talking about what we just talked about, I feel like this may have been like my grandparents trying to make me some more friends. Oh, all right. So they actually had a really big birthday party for me because before that, all of our birthdays, it's just family. You know, it was mm-hmm. family. Your cousins would come over. There'd be a cake. Grandma would make a cake, you know, maybe some candles. It wasn't a big deal, big deal, but this was like a big birthday. And I have no idea how old I was, but she invited all these kids from school. She invited these kids from like school, the school that I went to before when we lived in Wilson, like the elementary school, kids that I was friends with then. She invited kids from the Boy Scouts troop I was in. Um, to be all, and it, you know, and they all came. It was nice to celebrate me, quote unquote. Yay! You know, and I that was they should. It was a really, and you know, they actually, and she didn't make the cake. It was like a professional birthday cake from wow. like a professional bakery and Win Dixie. I mean, probably. Um, so that was nice. I mean, that was a big birthday. They went. They went to a lot of work and they decorated the whole house. They went to a lot of work for that birthday, and I don't honestly know why. That is very. It nice. was the year that I got my first gun. 
Did you, uh, did you get a cowgirl outfit to go with the gun? Did you get it? Was it a Derringer? Did you? They gave you a Derringer, didn't they? Oh no! They honey. gave you those a uh, shotgun. It was they a gave shotgun. You the yeah, shotgun. Of course, it was a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> honey, you had a Derringer. Everybody else had a shotgun. Well, I didn't. Obviously, George did. I had two Derringers, but still, shit. Uh, growing up for me, it was it was extraordinarily low key. My mom really didn't like noise, so no one ever came to <laughs> or this. mess or a mess or baking, no, or, or any of those things. She liked Valium and cigarettes and coffee. She liked wrapping presents. She yeah. liked not knowing what was in there. <laughs> but my great aunt uh, gave me a birthday party when I was five, and some of the neighborhood kids were invited, and they brought gifts and stuff. And my parents weren't there. Uh, which I love my parents and I'm not bashing them, but they were rarely there if it required anything extra. And so she did this all on her own. And Aww. I'm sure she asked if Aww. she could do it, but it was really, really nice. And so it's funny over the years, I've said the only birthday party I ever had, I was five. Uh, because all of the other years, I got a cake, I got gifts and stuff, but every birthday is photographed and it's just me and the cake and maybe the gift. But my most memorable birthday was my 50th birthday. I wanted to, I lived here in LA and I got on the Titanic. (laughs) We hit a little ice cube along the way. It was single Molly. I'll never forget that birthday. I was trying to get Leo to be on the raft with me. He's like, no, girl. He wishes he had He could have floated on me. She pushed his ass in the water. I bet he was like, God damn it, but I just stayed over there. But my, for my 50th birthday, I flew to New York and I stayed there a few days. Some friends joined me in New York and then I took the train to Philadelphia and I stayed there for a few days. Some friends joined me there. I took the train to then to Baltimore, which is on the last night of 49 in the morning of 50. I was in Baltimore and I stayed there a couple of days. And then I went on to DC where the last group of people joined me and I spent 10 days um, on the East Coast uh, from New York to Washington, D.C., and everything except flying in and out was via train. And it was really, really quite fun, and I enjoyed it a lot. It's funny. Tra- <laughs> travel for me only started maybe about 10 or 12 years ago on my birthday. and when I've you always... got out of jail. <laughs> well, uh, I was never one to really do a big thing anyway. I didn't really tell people it was my birthday. I tried to keep it low-key. Girl, I am with you on that. Yeah, you just it's not a big deal. I don't want to do a big thing. It's just, you know, it is what it is. That's not acknowledge me getting another year older. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then I figured out the best way to do that is to leave the fucking country. There you go. <laughs> or at least the city. Absolutely. And I've done... Almost every birthday, except maybe one with Danny, but I've done almost every single birthday alone. Since we've known each other. Yeah. I've done, like, when I've traveled, I've always traveled alone. Yeah. And I, and some people hate it, I love traveling alone. There's nothing like it because you, you, you build your own schedule, you do your own yeah. agenda, whatever yeah. you're into, and I just, I can go all day long. It drives my mama crazy because she's like, you're going so-and-so by yourself? And I'm like, yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, sit, I think around the age of 30, I decided that I would not work on my birthday. I've worked on one birthday since I was 30 years old, and I don't do it. I'm, and I'm often out of town. Uh, since I turned 42, mm-hmm. I've not been in Los Angeles any birthday since I was 42. I'm always out somewhere. Which I find a little annoying because, you know, I would love to have you around for your birthday so you can have a birthday party. <laughs> well, it's interesting. You bring that up. And uh, I think back to my bartending days. And I was always encouraged by the first 
birthday I had in the first year of bartending, uh, Raymond Lamore, who owned the bar that I was working at, encouraged me to work on my birthday. He's like, tell, I'm telling you to be the most lucrative day you will ever have oh. for the entire year. He's, He's right like, about but that. But you have to let everyone know it's, it's your birthday. Your birthday. You and that was a struggle it. for me because I'm like, I'm just not wanting to do that. Oh, you got to get some of the little tiaras and say birthday girl. <laughs> well, no, yeah, I but actually, you want to invite the people in so they can bring their cash for the tips. I, I actually put it on someone else. I was like, look, he, he, Ravens asked me to work on my birthday. I'm totally down to do it, but I'm just not a self-promoter in that way. Right. Can you just handle it for me? And so the theme for my birthday was Birth of the Dark One. Dark one. And, um, <laughs> it was a Lucifer-inspired uh, birthday party, and it was one of the biggest nights we ever had in that bar. It was so much fun, and I made so much money, and I got so fucking drunk. It was a great night. It was awesome. So one of the, one of the better. sounds like a regular night at my house, <laughs> <laughs> except nobody brings money. It was a lot of fun. So I think I still have uh, posters and cards packed away somewhere that everybody oh, made. So it was cool. really great. It was a, it was a lot of fun. So. Now I feel like I've missed out on my life. Duly <laughs> 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 noted. Right. While we've talked about this, I've actually thought of another birthday. To okay. Talk about. Yay! This was an adult birthday because this is when I lived here in LA. We lived in this huge, huge three bedroom oh. apartment, and it was just it was like it was the penthouse apartment of the whole complex, and the complex okay. only had like maybe six units, so it was fabulous. It was so great. It was on Normandy. Okay. Um, across the street was Crack House. Well, <laughs> but we had this giant balcony where we could stand out and watch the Crack House get ready there every, every Friday night. So it's fabulous. It's, so good. It was, it was the best Friday night dinner in the show. Girl, it was the best apartment ever. I kicked myself daily for giving it up. Anyway, Better than Netflix, honey. You don't even have to pay for the you crack You did house. not. So on my 25th birthday, I decided to have a Madonna birthday party. Oh, okay. And everybody had to either come as Madonna or one of her mini boy toys. Decided. What a fun thing. So that was my theme. And, that was, and there was no exceptions. You had to come dressed up or you couldn't come to the party. And by that time, we had quite the reputation as the party apartment. So everybody wanted right. it. And it was hugely, it was well, well attended. And I was a Vita Madonna. Yes. Come <laughs> on now. Come on. Don't cry for me, Argentina. Not in the least. Um, that was a lot a lot of fun and I think the reason I don't remember it so much is because I got so so drunk those so things drunk. happen by accident <laughs> well that sound <clears throat> so familiar <laughs> what, 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 what is what, that noise what's that noise well I think as my Aunt Lucy would say uh, my ice cubes are dry oh wow <laughs> so perhaps it's time to toddle back in and get a refill that's right Sorry. that's right Thank you so much for joining us today. We enjoyed you being on the porch with us. And we love y'all. Be good to yourselves because, honey, for a while, that might be, you might be the only one who's going to be. Absolutely. <laughs> and like we said earlier, if you feel unsafe, you feel like you're being bullied, you want help, there are many, many resources that Jacob will outline on the outro and we'll also put in the post below. Yes, ma'am. And we are proud of you. Be yourself. Absolutely. Take care of yourself. Love y'all. Bye. See you soon. All right, y'all. If you are being bullied or need additional help or information, please check out hrc.org, thetrevorproject.org, itgetsbetter.org, or stopbullying.gov for more resources.
Queer Magnolians is a weekly podcast hosted by Rick Clifton, Danny White, and George Skinner, and produced by yours truly, Jagan McGinnis. You can find us everywhere you find your podcasts, so please take a few minutes to leave a rating or review. We definitely look forward to hearing from you. If this is your first time joining us, please subscribe to receive the next episode automatically. Thank you for following us on Twitter at Queer Magnolias and on Instagram at Queer Magnolias Podcast, or email us at Queer Magnolias Podcast at gmail.com.